On this episode of the Three Beers, Two Guys, One Movie podcast, we read a review from one of our loyal fans. We give our marquee picks for our favorite child actors and child performances. We discuss the film of the week, which is Leon the Professional. Then we finish it off with a game of Wheel of Fortune and give our ratings for the movie. So let's go. podcast the always fun the always exciting the always a little bit tipsy and buzzed movie review show uh i'm matthew scott and we've got our co-host as always mr rod budman and also mr preston barnes here tonight how you guys doing you guys ready to you know review this movie so intensely uh i would say most intensely (laughs) but um we'll see budman you got anything Man, I'm really excited. As you both know, Janet Reno is one of my favorite actors of all time. So, <laughs> no, I love Janet Reno's performance. We are on the third. We're on the third week in a row that this is a Rod Budman pick. The wheel has been loving him so much. So tonight we are doing Leon the Professional, a movie from 1994 by. What's his name? His name is Leek Bissot. is a French director. Stars Jean Reno, Natalie Portman, and Gary Oldman. Uh, but before we get into the review, and also before we get into our marquee picks, which we always do before the review, we're also going to read one review from a very, very enthusiastic fan. So last week, we uh, asked and encouraged listeners to leave a review on iTunes. Give us If they gave us five stars, we're going to read your review online, give you a shout out. We had one review... Who wrote this? Um, honestly, very enthusiastic, and honestly, uh, very, very in love with one of our podcasters. So it's, it said, uh, "Crazy, amazing podcaster that teases the senses and hilarious." Hashtag Budman twenty twenty. <laughs> so wow, I've got a secret admirer out there. Oh, Some man, loves Rod stuff. Budman, and I mean, there's no reason not to love Rod Budman, but it is. It does seem a little. A little personal, but there's no reason not yeah. to be not to be scared. It wasn't saying I, I, I think have it might paid. be someone someone at the local Waffle House. <laughs> there's a good chance of that. Didn't say I want to date you or I want to have your baby. It just said I want you to be president and rule the country. So it's sort of like I admire your intelligence, not I want your body. So it's actually a very very mm. yeah. I my... will cook you a waffle. <laughs> Is that in yeah. there? Yeah, it admires your intellect. It's not really about anything other than your humor and your intelligent insights into movies. So, Rod Bumman, congrats on getting a crazy, amazing review on iTunes. So, 
before we get into Leon the Professional, we are going to do our marquee pick. So, uh, so Leon the Professional stars, like we said, Jean Reno and Natalie Portman, who Natalie Portman was, I think, 12 years old at the filming of this movie. So what we're doing, we always like to have our picks sort of coincide with uh, the movie we're reviewing. So we're doing our favorite childhood actor, our child actors or child performances. It's the Marquee Picks. Um, I think Preston went first last time. Does do Rod, do you want to go first? Or does Preston want to go first? Or how do we want to do this? We what really about should... you? I'll, all right, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right, so <clears throat> we'll go We'll go me, Rod, and Preston. Preston, you can be the tail end of this delicious snake. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> the, the donkey. Yeah, okay. All right. So I'm going to start off first. This is actually, uh, I don't think it's obscure, but I'm going with Joseph from Kindergarten Cop. His actual real name is Michael Hughes. But if you haven't seen Kindergarten Cop, he's uh, famous for two little phrases. He's <laughs> He stands up right to what Arnold Schwarzenegger and says, boys have penises and girls have vaginas. And what's he also say? He says, uh, <laughs> oh, he says, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says, all right, who's your daddy and what does he do? Because he's trying to find the uh, yeah. uh, person or whatever. He's a cop. And he says, my dad's a gynecologist and he looks at vaginas all day. So, I mean, I, I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> Everyone go out and look at that clip on YouTube. It's really nice. The kid delivers it with incredible comedic timing, especially the boys have penises and girls have vagina line. He literally like stands up, looks Arnold Schwarzenegger dead in the eye and throws it down and then has the class... <laughs> uproar and laughter like he's a class clown in kindergarten i can't imagine what his skills are like when he gets to like high school he's an amazing like he's he's already kind of a comedic genius i do wonder like what the director had to say to this kid to like get him to just do it so perfectly it's it really it's actually it's i mean i mean it's not an amazing performance but it's sort of cool that just like a five-year-old could just deliver it so perfectly <laughs> yeah i like to think it was done in one take and they were just yeah. like yes nailed I like to think that he like came into the show and had like his own like trailer and had like handlers and stuff and walked into the scene with like wayfarers on and stuff like that. He's like, you guys ready for me? Ready for this line? Ready for this drop down? Pull the house down. Boys have penises and girls have vagina line. I'm going to do it. Like he was already. Like yeah, already a movie started his own line. Yeah. Already a movie started his own mind at the age of five. But there's, there's actually, I almost, I almost did like a, uh, you know, the whole class of kindergarten cop because there's actually some pretty funny lines from all the class, but that guy definitely takes the cake. Have you seen that movie, Rod? Have you seen? I've not seen that one yet. <laughs> okay. It's, it's worth just checking out on YouTube. Like I told our loyal listeners or whatever, it's actually really, really funny. You should just listen to like the two minute clip that's on there. All right, so Rod, I did mine. Joseph, kindergarten cop. His name's Miko Hughes. You go for you go for yours. Okay, I'm gonna go with um, Mara Wilson for really two performances. Um, one is Ooh. one is on our wheel, um, but really her mar her marquee movie for <laughs> me was Matilda with Mrs. Honey. But she's also uh, in Mrs. Doubtfire as the youngest daughter. I just think she does. Such a good job as truly, you know, acting like a child without like overly acting. Like I don't. She's she's very adorable. There's yeah, no doubt. I think they were just like be yourself. 
Yeah. She definitely had she that was sort in, of she like, was in some other movies, wasn't she? I mean, I feel like she was around a lot for, for Thomas like three and the Magic years. Thomas Railroad, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle yeah, on 34th that Street. That's, she had to have her bangs cut the exact same way for probably two years, I'm assuming, because that was her like quintessential look. She had to look that way. It's like, it really is like cute and adorable. I imagine she couldn't have another haircut. She got known for that and was like, all right, we're casting you this. Stay the same way. That's because she looks the same in every single movie. Well, I feel like was... all the kids in the '90s had either bangs or bowl cuts. <laughs> you know, it's like Dunstan checks in. You had the kid from Liar, from Liar, Dude, Liar. with Jason almost... Alexander. Jason Alexander's in that one. I almost included Dunstan checks in because of his. Uh, maybe being able, being able the... to act he... with the orangutans is amazing. But yeah, yeah. Dad. it is Jason Alexander. Dunstan... Okay, You're right? Yeah, you oh, are. Oh yeah, one. and then uh, um, Pee Wee Herman. What's his name in real life? Oh my gosh, I just forgot. Wait, he's um, in there too. He's like the bad guy. I can't remember. Yeah, he's the jewel thief. <laughs> what is his name? Paul Rubens. Yeah, Paul Rubens. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we shouldn't get too deep into the plot of Dustin Jackson. It's very complicated and nuanced. We could go all day about that movie. Uh, <laughs> Preston, do you want to go to your, your number three and then we'll sort of wrap around like usual? Uh, my number three is Thurman Merman from Bad Santa. <laughs> um, if you've seen the movie, you know I'm talking about. It's uh, with Billy Bob Thornton. He basically plays like a mall, like a mall Santa who's drunk and is just cussing all the time, trying to figure out ways to make money. And this fat kid with like a blonde perm, whose name is Thurman Merman, <laughs> just like gravitates towards him, and they end up developing this hilarious relationship. And I mean, he's a really sweet kid. It's more so like the way he interacts with Billy Bob Thornton's character. And, you know, he truly, he like loves him because he's Santa and he's very innocent. But um, yeah, not, I mean, it's, just, not, it's a hilarious, it's a hilarious little relationship. Between he's the not the fat kid from Eastbound and Down, is he? Not uh, uh, way off on that. I, no, because that was, Bad Santa was like in the early 2000s. Um, and he's always, I just remember, he's always trying to make him sandwiches and he always gets so pissed <laughs> when he asks. <laughs> it's great. I love that movie. I think it's one of the funnier, uh, just kind of like underrated comedies from the 2000s. I've watched it once, but I haven't seen it in a really, really long time. I do remember laughing, but I also probably remember being not hundred percent in full capacity when I was watching it. Rod, have you seen it? Are you, you familiar with Bad Santa? Uh, is this a little red-haired guy? I mean, red curly it's, hair. It's like red blonde, yeah. So like, <laughs> kind of just like smiles. <laughs> you see that? Yeah, it's red and curly. Yeah, absolutely. Great one. <laughs> All right, I think we finished that one. Preston, you want to <laughs> go with your, your second one? Maybe some more. There he is. A more familiar. Yeah. Thurman Merman. Red Curly. Thurman Merman sounds like something from the Munsters, yeah. which is uh, obviously too isn't, way off base. Isn't there someone in Harry Potter named like Thurman or M Mersla, the girl that's like crying Mersla. in the bathroom? Mersla, uh, that's moaning, moaning Myrtle. If you're okay. out there listening at home and want that trivia question, yes, it's Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> I think a lot of people listening are really eager to see if Matthew. 
goes with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> will will he be predictable or will he move away? No, I wasn't a fan of all their performances. So Preston, go with your uh, your second pick. <laughs> uh, my second pick is Natalie Portman in the professional. What? Okay, so Preston's teasing what we're going to talk about in about five minutes. So uh, go ahead. It's uh, I think it's what makes this movie great. I mean, yeah, there's some other good performances for sure, but she steals the show, in my opinion. Um, Natalie Portman's already like a great, she's a great actress. She's been in so many great movies, but uh, I just like her, her interaction with Jean Renault, and we'll talk more about it, is, uh, or Jean. Jean or John? Do we know? I think it's John. G- oh, should we just go back to Janet? <laughs> Janet. Uh, it's great. I mean, she she's like she seems mature beyond her years as far as like being an actor. Yeah, we're and, gonna talk um, about that for sure. Yeah, uh, right, I've cool. got a lot to talk about about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Rod, are it's, you it's taking back weird, by that? The script? Did he steal one of your picks, Rod? Or are you uh, just no, sort of no, taking no, back by that? Absolutely not. I mean, I already picked that <laughs> one like two weeks ago, and this was my movie, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, you're more taken aback by the fact that he's sort of uh, piggybacking on one of your previous you, picks. You picked that for what? <laughs> If we're just joking around. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so let's, not, let's not get too deep into that. Yeah, Rod, you go You go to your number two because we don't get okay. too deep in Natalie Portman uh, as Matilda in this movie. Okay. So uh, my number two pick was also in a lot of my favorites, a lot of our favorites. Uh, some people called him Goldberg, Mighty Ducks. Oh, but my God. <laughs> my favorite, his name is actually Sean Weiss. And oh, no. uh, he is he is. Looking at a picture of him right now, he is... Don't look at it now. ...gone downhill. I, I'm literally... Yeah, I was like, is that really him? Yeah. But my favorite um, role for him would have been Josh in... Like, <laughs> a, I, I like to, you know, twist the yarn between all of our episodes, but when he's asking Uncle Tony in, in heavyweights, they tell him to step on the scale. And he's like, all right, Uncle Tony. He's like, step off the scale. Step off the scale. Immediately. So that that's my number two choice. Uh, I mean, that is actually a very, very, very good choice. And also, what, what's the? Uh, <laughs> he also does the Seymour Butts joke, right? Right. He goes, he goes, who's Seymour Butts? And he goes, uh, nobody Seymour Butts than you, Uncle Tony, right? And he goes, oh, we got a comedian. What's the, what's the line? What he says after he goes, oh, we got a comedian. I love comedy. And what's he say? Like, what's he do after that? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I want to look it up now, though. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. Heavyweights. Such I a great movie. Comedy. But that's right after, that's that whole scene. There's so many really funny movies, uh, like, uh, I almost say what lines in that scene. That's also the scene where, where Lars says, uh, do not be alarmed if you hear something in the other room. I have a deviated septum. What was he saying? Like about like it's like it may sound like a train going like and he's like, but do not be alarmed. I am just sleepy. <laughs> so it's just uh, absolutely. Lars is, is one of the better characters in the entire movie. <laughs> Lars Lars is the villain who also pops the blob. And yeah. I know I've had a debate with one of our friends about, like, he says that Lars actually audibly screams when he pops the blob, but it's actually just the air coming out. It's like, <laughs> he goes, ah! 
<laughs> but I don't think I've watched it so many times over and over again. I don't think he actually screams. It's just actually like I, I don't think so. But he makes it try to sound like it's some like violent occurrence. That's like Susie pops the blob. He's like doing it out of anger, not just out of just uh, being a dutiful employee. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, all right. So I think we'll uh, we'll move on. So I'm I'm up now number two. This is actually similar to Rod's pick and 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 in terms of it's like sentimental and also more about just one scene. So I've got this kid, his name is Chauncey Laparty, but you'll know him more as Squints from the Sandlot. Uh, well, <laughs> and it's, there goes all the Sandlot picks. Oh, no, but it's obviously just for the scene where he, uh, he, he tricks Wendy Peppercorn into making out with him. Uh, a true legend as a nerd that just obviously wanted to hook up with some, or not hook up, but obviously wanted to make out with a girl that he was crushed on so hard and found a way to do it. Um, very craftful, very creative, very clever. Um, <laughs> I think as an eight-year-old, maybe watching that, you just enjoyed how he got it done. Somebody that knew what he wanted and got it finished. So uh, applaud uh, Squints, Crip Sandlot. Yeah, it was a pretty... Um... It was a ballsy move. <laughs> I mean, dude, he was willing to fake drowning to, you know, get mouth to mouth from Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah, with those glasses on. <laughs> That's also funny because he actually like jumped in with the glasses, which. Uh, but anyways, what I wonder, uh, like the, the funny part, if we're talking about actually best performances, the really funny part, though, is when she he's giving her like he's she's giving him mouth to mouth and then there's that like he she does like the chest thing and like kisses him or, or like puts mouth to mouth but then she like lifts up and then he smiles and does like the wink at his friends yeah. and he just looks so cheesy and so ridiculous he has these massive fucking buck teeth on this like small head it actually is it's it really is like comedically very 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 funny it looks almost cartoonish but it's real. It's, it, well, it feels it feels very much like a part of that t- time period. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of right because it's the fifties. I don't know. If it's the fifties. Whatever. It, it whatever. It doesn't really matter. Maybe it's not it's that just, long. It's just like you just you're overwhelmed with the sense of he knows what he's doing at that moment. Like at first you were kind of worried about him, and then he gets this sort of almost like Woody Woodpecker like wink to the camera and says, "Watch <laughs> this." So uh, yeah. Pretty pretty epic scene from our childhood. Yeah. All right. So, Rod, your final pick. We just did uh, Josh from Heavyweights. We're on to Rod's number one marquee pick, favorite childhood performance. Um, I'm going to have to go with Buzz. <gasps> oh, Buzz from uh, Home Alone? From Home Alone? Yep. <laughs> Do you include the tarantula? Absolutely. Are you specifically Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? I like 1 because of the tarantula scene. <laughs> well, so I've, I've got to ask, why Buzz and not you know, Macaulay Culkin? Because Do you Macaulay... think one of us would pick that? <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, I'm just, no, that's, that's my pick. Well, Macaulay, I like it. it's kind of a voyeur and a pervert. He's going around filming everybody, not filming, but recording everybody with that little, what's it called? Like walkie talk or whatever it's called. Do you remember that? Like, Dude, well, I had the, one of those. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, a yak back? Is a yak back? Is that what's called? Wow. Uh, no, hold on. Let me. It was before, it was before that time. It's when you actually had to put like a video, uh, I mean, a cassette in it. Whatever it's called, it really doesn't matter because it was incredibly disappointing how like, 
it recorded you but did not play back as loud oh. as like he's one two in the movie right like he records something and he'd like play it back and it would sound like it was like amplified out of the speakers right yeah. remember like so he were like record his uncle in the shower and then play like oh he's not a animal like whatever but it actually was just when you had it in real life it didn't sound anything it was, like called, it was called the talk back <laughs> talk, the talk boy uh. <laughs> i wonder if they named okay. it just for like that movie probably yeah. was. I, I don't think it's it's like he's a boy and he's talking <laughs> <laughs> It probably was a product specifically designed for it. And then once it got popular, they were like, let's sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it. Because obviously I'm sure they made tons of money off it or whatever. But uh, Rod, so you like enough about Macaulay Culkin and his voyeuristic tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a, you're a fan of Buzz, obviously, and his tarantulas. And he also, I think he had maybe some uh, naughty magazines going on in his, his Real what was? <laughs> yeah, he was just. I mean, let's be real. He was a he was a tough older brother, a little manipulative. He knew what to do. He knew how to push Kevin's buttons. Um, and he was very he was very wily. I think would be a good way to describe him. <laughs> Ooh, when I like that. When, when uh, you know, when like putting everything on Kevin, making the parents get all mad, and yeah, I'm you know, I didn't I didn't like Buzz when we were little. I'm like trying to remember. He, he had some really good one-liners in there. We're also, none of us are oh. older. None <laughs> of us are like the the oldest children, though, in our family. So that's something to like, so we resonate more with them, maybe Macaulay Culkin than we do oh, with Buzz. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, Rod. So uh, what, do you remember any like specific lines or you just, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I really don't remember anything too, but I do remember him sort of, uh, blaming stuff on kevin i can't remember exactly what he used to do about it but he definitely did but he definitely came around at the end of the movie he, i i remember specifically in home alone 2 where he came around to uh liking kevin a little bit more when they were staying in that uh, uh yeah but then like the, yeah at the very end and then it all goes sour because i think kevin's dad realizes <laughs> he spent uh, like ten thousand dollars on room service or, <laughs> or fifty thousand i think I mean, it's an absurd number. Okay, I got one really quick one, then we can move on. Okay. Okay. Kevin McAllister, can I sleep in your room? I don't want to sleep on the hide-a-bed with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he'll wet the bed. Buzz, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> That's actually really good. <laughs> I remember them being cheesy, but that one's, I don't even, that's not cheesy. It's not really, like, thoughtful or, I mean, it's just, no, like, it's just, it's just funny. It gets the point across without making sense, yeah. <laughs> which is what you want in any great line. <laughs> uh, because, never mind. All right, so, uh, Preston, we'll move on from Buzz, and we'll, uh, we'll go to Preston, and we'll go to me to finish it out. So, Preston, your number one childhood performance or childhood actor. Go ahead. Uh, it's going to be a performance from a group <laughs> of an animated actors that we've known our entire lives. That would be Cartman, Kenny, oh, Stan, wow. and Kyle. The South Park. Uh, bigger, longer, and uncut. Oh, wow. Wh wh which one? Well, actually, I don't know. I, I'm really just thinking them. That's, I mean, I'm if, sure we right. do a, 
if we want to do a movie, we would say obviously bigger, longer, and uncut. But see the ensemble. That's fine. That's good. Yeah, uh, we'll do all of them together because it's not like they're they're voiced by two different people, all of them. So it's, it's it right. works. All I right, couldn't yeah. do just one. They work so well together. They're um, obviously all incredible actors. <laughs> um, I mean, I, not much else to really say about it. We all know about South Park. Uh, yeah, we all know about South Park, and we're all anxious to see what they have to say about uh, the current political climate. Oh, it's, God. Uh, it's going to piss off every single person in the United States, but uh, we'll not get into that at all. Uh, Rod, <laughs> do you have anything to say about South Park? I mean, I, I mean, I think like Preston said, it's it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> we all know about Cartman. We all know about Stan. We all know about Kenny and Kyle. You have anything you want to specifically add about them? That was a big, big, big <laughs> choice, Preston. Yeah, Preston, Preston sort of tricked us there a little bit. All right, so uh, I'm gonna finish it off. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna finish it off. Oh shit, I'm gonna finish it off. Uh, with my last one, this one's actually a serious pick. I like two kind of joke picks, but I'm going with Jack Gleason, who plays Joffrey Baratheon in Game of Thrones. And I legitimately think wow. this is like the best. Uh, he's not really a child. I guess he's a teenager. But I, I, I honestly, honestly, honestly think he's like his performance literally makes me want to jump to my TV and slap him because he yeah. has that he has that specific little like lip snarl that he does, which is so condescending. It's almost like condescending, not just to the people that are in the scene, but condescending to the people that are watching. It's just like, I'm better than you. You suck. Yeah. He, like he reminds me of the guy, like he, the guy that plays uh, Lucius Malfoy and also the guy who plays in the Patriot, you know, what I'm talking about uh, that with the long blonde hair who uh, is just, Constantly evil, you know. You know what I'm talking. About? I forgot. I should have looked up his name before he, we did. He's Ledger. No, no, no. The, like the the bad guy who's who's the British person and the Patriot, but he's also Lucius Malfoy and Harry Potter. But anyways, he, he uh, reminds me more of Draco. Well, yes, that's a kid. But the point I was getting at <laughs> is that, uh, <laughs> the point I was getting at. I'm sorry for dragging on, but uh, that guy received a ton of like hate mail because his characters are always so evil and hatred hated. And he always responds as the character. So he's like, they'll be like, I hate you. You're terrible. And he's like, suck my dick. You don't say suck my dick. But, you know, he, he yeah. responds as, like, the character. And I know for a fact, because I read about it, like, Jack Leeson used to get the same sort of, like, hate mail or whatever. Because his character is so evil. And he would sort of do the same thing. So, <laughs> Wait, are you you're know, talking about the guy who played Lucius? Yeah, I'm talking about that. But what I meant is that they sort of have yeah. this, like, that guy's almost an older version of Joffrey in the sense that he just thinks everyone's better than him. And this, the Jack Gleason character uh, that plays Joffrey, whatever, almost has that same sort of mentality and also, like, acting presence where he just looks and has, I, I don't know, like, yeah, he's one of, the, one of the few people that I've, I've watched a TV show and I really just want to strangle him because he's so good at what he's doing that it's, I'm, he makes me want to hate him. He's so, it's it's really is, like, a very, very good very, very good performance. Like he's it great. is, it is definitely that. I've, I've never, can't think of many other characters I've hated more than King Joffrey. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's not just the lines. It's not just the setting. It's not just the whole like Game of Thrones thing. Like he delivers everything in a very professional and very good, very, very good acting performance. I uh, like. I'm I, I want to say more, but I'm Robert, but or Budman <laughs> doesn't have. No, I, 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 yeah, I, th I think it's unfair for y'all to keep bringing up Game of Thrones. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, all right. So those are the marquee picks. I forgot to do the little, like, uh, intro because I was going to want to, like, introduce the uh, 
the jingle, so it's going to have to be just ram-fisted into it again. But uh, those are some marquee picks, and we're going to move on to what we're supposed to be talking about, which is Leon the Professional, uh, the movie that's featured on this episode. So it's going to be Rod Budman's pick again. Rod, do you want to start us off, or do you want me to give a little, little brief summary, and then we'll jump into just our main points, or what do you want to do? Um, Matt. What? Uh, I'm down for either way, but I feel like you're better. Okay, so basically, this is just a uh, a movie. It's actually it's we've got uh, it stars John Reno as this guy Leon, who is a um, hitman. It sounds, stars Natalie Portman, who's a little kid, and it stars uh, Gary Oldman, who's a corrupt cop. But basically, what happens is Natalie Portman's parents get, or not even parents, so we'll get into that. But her family gets um, killed in sort of a drug deal, or whatever, and she winds up having to live and be supported by John Reno, who's a hitman. And then so they develop a friendship and relationship and they're the parents are killed by Gary Oldman's sort of a corrupt cops. So that's the conflict in the sense that Natalie Portman wants revenge on what they did to her little brother and her family. And she's also sort of being mentored and living with Jean Reno, who's sort of reluctantly taking her on. But they obviously grow to be more more than just uh, living companions that they also grow to be friends. So. <clears throat> Anyone want to start us off in terms of what specifically you want to talk about, or, or Rod? Um, yeah. So I guess, um, like you know, like you kind of mentioned, she's from a very uh, rough, I guess you'd say, family situation. Um, I guess she's the second to youngest because it's her and then yeah. the younger brother, and um. Basically, you know, they, they kill the whole family, but like you were saying, Matthew, you alluded to it. I think that they're basically like foster parents who have taken her on just to maybe get money because it's um, her. It's her dad, but it's not her mom. It's her half sister or something like that. And little it's, brother. It's, her, it's her real brother. So we uh, we're. I was going to get into this later or whatever. We don't really know much about the background other than it is her biological father it's not her biological mother. I don't think it's her biological sister, but it's her biological no. brother. So there's, it's there's a lot of people in a small apartment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird situation, like you said, in terms of there's a lot going on in terms of like their family and the dynamics or whatever. But um, yeah, she's not really emotionally connected to all these people. She's only like emotionally connected kind of to just her brother. She doesn't have too much love for her dad, even though it is her biological dad. Yes. And I think it's because he's seen, I mean, she's seen how sh he treats everyone in the family. Yeah. Um, but, and then one thing I wanted to mention is the movie starts off like it, it's kind of guns ablazing 20 minutes into it. And then the next 40 minutes are <laughs> like a lull. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even the next hour. And then the last 20 minutes is, you know, top notch. Yeah, so yeah. I'd kind of forgotten about the lull that you speak of. It's been a while since I'd, I'd seen this this movie, and I mean, I, I mean, I think it makes sense now that I look back at it. I feel like I enjoyed it when I saw it a way back. I enjoyed it a little bit more, but again, I think it's just it's centered around their relationship. Yes, yeah. there's a lot of action. Yes, there's there's hitman hitman. <laughs> conflicts and there's the general conflict of the entire movie but i mean i think it's it's based around this this odd relationship between 
um, Matilda and Leon. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's 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 definitely a character driven movie rather than action driven movie. Uh, but it does start out like Rod said, which is it's it definitely sets what you want to set the tone. Just like if you say like Jurassic Park starts out when uh, somebody dies by a raptor killing, or or like Jaws starts out when you know somebody's swimming in the lagoon and Jaws kills like the shark kills somebody, yeah. or like but uh you know in Footloose when Kevin Bacon's brother gets sent to sentence life for dancing in the street or whatever like that. So it just sets the tone. Right. For uh, how, <laughs> yeah, for how everything happens. So, uh, but what was I going to get at? I'm sorry for even jumping on that tangent or whatever. Um, how dare you? But but yeah, no no. So it, it goes a little slowly. Ah uh, shit! I'm sorry. We're gonna so. Matthew Matthew. It kind of reminds me if I may. It reminds me of. It starts off like it's going to be like Boondock Saints, basically. <laughs> like, like it's going to be nuts. Yeah, and then like that, you know, the main scene happens where the family gets killed, including her younger brother, and that, you know, after that, they're, you know, she's just buying him two quarts of milk every week and <laughs> trying on lingerie, which is a little weird, but I'm sure we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, what I was getting <laughs> at is that like every single movie starts off with setting the tone and this movie starts off setting off with Leon killing almost a whole gang by himself in the first 10 minutes is what I was yeah. saying. And then it's yeah. sort of after that, we, we don't really see him in action for a while. And then, but then Gary Oldman's character, like we've already alluded to does go and kill Matilda, who is uh, Natalie Portman's character's whole family. So, but before it's, so what we're kind of getting at is that, it starts off kind of quick and then it takes a long time to actually get to the plot because we don't actually get to the point where Leon and Matilda join together until almost 40 minutes into the movie. So there is like this like huge action sequence in the first 10 minutes, five minutes. And then it takes 30 minutes almost to get to the point where the plot actually happens or starts. So um, <laughs> do we want to talk about when that happens or we've already kind of talked about how, uh, her family gets killed because of a bad drug deal. So her family was, um, her dad was supposed to be housing drugs for this cop. And he was actually taking some off the side and that's why they all got killed or whatever. He was cutting some out. Um, and during this whole sort of massacre, she goes down the hall and winds up seeking refuge with Leon, who winds up being a, we already know whatever is a, um, professional hitman or whatever. Right. So, a cleaner is what we a prefer. Cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not in the industry, so I can't really speak. I don't want to, you know, use industry terms. Right? Yeah. I don't want to officially use industry terms when I'm not officially in the industry. Rod knows a bunch of cleaners, he, uh, so he's available to use those terms. <laughs> but do we do we want to start off there? Do we want to, like, just go from that relationship and move on? Or, Preston, do, what, what do you want to talk about? Or do you have anything you want to specifically say or? I mean, I think we start there. I mean, I think you, we all pretty much summed up how the beginning of the movie goes and sets the tone for sure. It definitely is a great opening bit. I mean, the, some of the the moves that, that he's doing uh, lay on, like basically like coming out of, like out of the ceiling and then like <laughs> just killing people. I mean, it's pretty, it, if you were wanting that kind of movie, I can see how you might be a little disappointed. Um, yeah, but it's you know, I, yeah. I mean, I I think really what sets it up for for the movie it is 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 when they they both get together, 
Yeah, so so the beginning almost starts as like a uh, traditional action movie, and then it moves into like we talked about, sort of almost like this like character drama because it, there's no action until an hour and twenty minutes almost after the first sequence, right? There's very 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 little. It's more just a hundred percent characters, and like Rod was talking about. So let's talk about this. So uh, the character Natalie Portman is her name's Matilda, and when she's with her parents, she's her, I think her mom or her stepmom says something along the lines of all you do is watch cartoons all day, right? And then when she starts living with uh, Lee Hun, I think there's almost this like weird sexualization that happens, almost maturation. You were talking about this with the uh, the like a virgin thing, but I, it, it gets almost too weird in terms of how some of this stuff goes about. I'm trying to be very very tactful in how I approach this. But like you said, so she I mean, does you this, can just say it. It's, it makes you a little uncomfortable. So it, it makes, like it, it makes you dr- uncomfortable. There's the dress up scene is, and I, I'm going to honestly, I think it, it, it speaks to the performance of Natalie Portman. I mean, she yeah. is really charismatic and emotional and like uh, just a powerful performance. And like that dress up scene is, it's, I mean, it's funny, it's a little charming, and then I, there are a couple times where you're like, oh, okay, this is weird. What, hey, where did she get the adult bra and panties? I want to, that, like, she, she left her apartment in a hurry. I was wondering where she got the costumes. It's like, um, okay, where, where did you gather that? Did you steal that? Or, like, how did you go back to your apartment and steal that from your dead stepmother? Or, like, how that worked? Yeah, but, but you're right, Preston, it really, 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 really is uncomfortable. Did that happen before or after? When she told the hotel, the hotel guy that uh, I guess it's after she tells the hotel guy when the hotel doorman or whatever says, so your dad is a blah, blah, blah. And he goes, he's actually not my dad. He's and like she says, like, he's my lover. But she says it in a way that is so ridiculous for a 12 year old to say that it it, I you almost she she, remembers she waves at him and she like slinks out of the room. Yeah. She goes, we're lovers. Yeah. But but what I was getting at when I was saying that like she the mom says she watching watches cartoons all the time is it jumps from a contrast where we're almost supposed to believe she's just some child who watches cartoons to the point where she becomes this almost like weird ma- sexually mature twelve year old yeah right and like well, that that would make more sense to me based on like the lifestyle that we see of that family I mean they're they're like I mean she catches her dad having sex yeah. in the bathroom. That other woman is is like recreating Footloose in the in the den, wearing like yeah. the most ridiculous exercise getup, and and like it, I mean, there she lives in a very it seems like a sexualized house. You actually so make I'm, a good point, Robert. What were you gonna say before I get to what I was gonna say? Uh, so I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, it, it just to go back to you know one of my marquee picks. It's about as dysfunction. It very much reminds me of the dysfunctionality in the Matilda family. Like the mom's just mean as she can be to Matilda. The dad's, you know, I'm smart. You're dumb. I'm, that's mistrunchable. But it's a very dysfunctional right. house. And I feel like that mom and Matilda may be the same mom in that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're I think right. we, we see some parallels here. Particularly yeah. in the name Matilda. <laughs> Very good. 
Dude, I was but... I was just gonna say maybe like what Preston was saying maybe she's growing up at this dysfunctional house that obviously is dealing with drugs and I think the mom the stepmom it's not her mom but the stepmom might be a prostitute she might be uh, yeah because because the dad says something how about you work from home tonight as in it almost made it sound like she sells herself on the street but so when I was talking about the uh, cartoon stuff maybe she's hiding all of this uh, mature input that she's getting from home and trying to her projection is just watching cartoons because i was thinking of it in a sense of oh this is some innocent child watching cartoons and she immediately jumps to it but like preston said maybe it's maybe it's something that has to deal with she's has all this input coming in from all these different factors in her life and she's just trying to actually avoid those things by watching cartoons so that's actually yeah well i I mean it would make sense that i mean that period in like a, a young whether it's a, I mean, just a young child's life to your developing and, and then just the household that she's in and we're to like all of a sudden go and this be like living with, uh, Leon. <clears throat> I mean, I think that it's, it's, that's where they try to like make it seem like, okay, she's going to be a little like temptress at times. <laughs> or she's going to be like, like flirting with him in a, in a way. And, and you can tie it back to, those like opening 30 minutes, I guess. I mean, I mean, that's like, that's all we have really to, to right together. Right. So what I was actually confused about is like I said, I, I thought they were trying to portray a sense of innocence with her watching the cartoons, but like you said, it could be something that was actually kind of hiding it. And so she, she when right. she gets to Leon, she already knows everything about maybe her dad and her mom and all this stuff that he, she's can straight talk with them. I thought it was a weird juxtaposition, but it actually could just actually make sense that she was sort of, trying to almost suppress it. And then once she gets free of it, she can actually talk freely about it. Um, so let's, let's just move on to that point. So when she, she moves on to living with Leon, um, we already kind of talked about her doing the dance recital for him. Cause he's sort of this introvert that doesn't, he does have a backstory, a limited backstory that we know about that. He, what well, he was in Italy and then like, he was in love with this woman and the dad, like Mary uh, or dad, like murdered the woman. Uh, the woman and he moved to the United States. Is that what I, right? It was, it's some like brief little moment exposition where like he was in love with someone in Italy and he had to flee to the United States and he wound up becoming a, uh, a hitman. Yeah. Because it's when he's talking to, I guess, you know, his, his handler, you know, the guy who basically puts him up with the, um, you know, with the contracts. Yeah. His banker, his handler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The guy who, has all of his money, which is another thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, um, absolutely. But no, yeah, he briefly says, like, he's like, oh, what, what, did you meet a girl? He's like, you remember what happened last time? And he's, you know, he's, he's just asking for some of the money because apparently Leon has not gotten paid any money this whole time he's been working. Because, um, you know, the, that guy, I don't know his name, is basically just like, yeah, you know, I have all your money. And like you're saying, he goes, you remember the last time you met a girl, you know, when you came here, you didn't have papers, you couldn't speak English, like she took everything from you. So I don't know if she would, maybe his old life, if like the girl had been a part of a, basically he was forced to leave Italy. Yeah. It sounded like maybe this girl was tied to the mob or her brother was in the mob is i'm just no you're right so basically there's there's a lost love that he's sort of 
he probably feels like he's never going to love again or whatever. He had to leave and move. And that's sort of why he's sort of this introverted, lonely figure is that he always wants to love somebody. But he feels that since he had this traumatic experience that he doesn't want to, you know, give his feelings away because he feels like he's going to lose somebody again. Right. Sort of a traditional trope, right? Somebody that gets something taken away from them. They're they're scared to release themselves emotionally to somebody again. Um, But that's the thing is that when he teams up with Matilda, he's sort of a broken person and she sort of kind of peels Peels that void, peels that void and also sort of helps him, you know, open up a little bit. And that's part of what we were talking about earlier in terms of the, the scene where she was doing the like a virgin thing and also the. Audrey Hepburn. I think she also did something else too, but whatever. Yeah, she did Charlie she did Chaplin. Marilyn Monroe, happy birthday. Yeah, that, yeah that, happy birthday. that's actually very, very creepy <laughs> and very weird. When, uh, and then she get, and then he does one too. He's um, He does John Wayne. John Wayne, yeah, and he's obviously like really bad at it. And Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's an odd scene for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, what we were talking about is like he's uh, Robert. Uh, Robert, what were you getting at in terms of uh, his plot point, or were you just talking about in terms of his character? Were you trying uh, to? I, I was going to uh, kind of go into how the fact that he, he doesn't have any money and he's basically come to the United States and this—I don't know what we're let's just call him the banker slash <laughs> contract man. Yeah, or, or his handler, because um, it, it seems yeah. like he's got a lot. Uh, he's got Janet in a, a vice clamp, basically. <laughs> and yeah. um, I mean, dude, they're, they're living in a I mean, I'd consider it a pretty rundown apartment. It, I don't know. I think they're in, probably in Brooklyn. I think they're in Manhattan. Yeah, really. somewhere, they, in, New York, they somewhere only, in New York City. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean any, they only drink milk. milk. <laughs> I was gonna get two, to that. Two, two quarts of milk. <laughs> um, but Oxygen I mean, like, milk drinking. <laughs> but like, um, just like his, I love his workout thing where he like straps himself to the bed and does all those pull ups. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, no, dude, you're actually ruining to the chair. No, it's like to the chairs or something. You're ruining some of my wheel stuff here. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I could do at least fifty. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do 50 sit-ups. I doubt you could do 50 pull-ups. There's no one. You couldn't do 50 def- pull-ups. No way. He's definitely a good hitman as far as, like, being able to do the job. I think his his introverted personality, though, like, trying to get the money he he's owed and all that. And, you know, he's yeah. not he's not really good at... He's not really good at speaking his feelings, y'all. He's not, like, very business savvy. He's no. kind of just buying into right. this. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry for interrupt. But uh, so let's uh, let's kind of push forward here a little bit. So he uh, obviously those people kill us, and we haven't even talked about Gary Oldman's character, who's Stansfield, who's actually one like listed as one of the top ten, top twenty villains of all time, or whatever. But uh, Matilda, who obviously is Natalie Portman, her whole mission is the fact that she wants to get back at him for killing her little brother. So there is this scene, obviously. So she joins up with Leon. She wants to become a cleaner hitman. We talked about that. Rod. I don't I have no idea if that's real or fake. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, she winds up sort of, she's an independent, strong, independent 12-year-old. And she winds up going off on her own 
what do y'all think about the scene where she teams where she's sort of almost I want to say cornered by Gary Oldman in that bathroom because she wants to almost go out and kill Gary Oldman Stansfield on her own. It's kind of a yeah. really, really intense scene. And then after that, we can get into the final shootout or whatever. But what did y'all think about that? Because it was really, really, really dramatic. Well, she has guns with her, right? Yeah. Or she had some kind of, yeah. She, um, go ahead, Rod. But, it, yeah, it, I just want to say this is a good time, too, to discuss uh, the Gary Oldman's character. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to maybe jump into your point, so I'm not going to say... <laughs> the 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 one point that me and you discussed yesterday, Matthew, because I think that's what you're going to point on. But yeah, she she tracks down, she gets in that cab, and gives the guy like a hundred bucks to follow Gary Oldman to see where he works, I believe. So yeah. she literally goes in like the government building with the gun, <laughs> and um, to be honest, I kind of forgot how she got out of the whole situation. Because he walks in there and takes the gun from her. I remember she get, now. She gets she, out of it because yeah, uh, Leon comes and saves her. But you know, no, they, they, thought, take, they she, take her up to her uh, to his office, and she's like sitting up there, right? right. And then Leon busts in and essentially, or he, I think he kills. He kills like the hippie man. Yeah, and, that, that hippie guy who I thought he was the fall guy in that original bust, you know, when they're like, oh, the cops are here. They're like, oh, no, you stay here. Yeah, no, you're right. There is dreadlocks. There are some, like, unresolved problems in this movie in terms of the plot point. You you bring that up exactly point. He says, like, what do I say? And he goes, just say it was, like, a mistake or something like that. And it almost doesn't make any sense, but then he just comes back into the, into the movie or whatever. There are some things, like, this is not a movie that you would expect almost complete and total perfection in terms of continuity, but it doesn't really matter. And that point, uh, you're right though, Rod, that he says that he does almost say that guy's supposed to be the sacrificial lamb in that first scene, the 10 minutes or whatever. And then he just comes back and you never really understand how that happens. But um, so, yeah, so, so Natalie Portman's character was cornered in a bathroom by Gary Oldman's who's super, super scary, super sketchy, very eccentric, very almost unpredictable. I think is the best word to describe him in the sense that he's very twitchy. Rod, we yeah. talked about this, how he's taking, Rod thinks he's taking um, amphetamines. Is well, that what so you think he's? That's he's, what I wanted to, I, I, most of my notes are about Norman Stansfield. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm curious what it is that he's taking because it, I mean, it makes him sound like he does, like right when he takes it and he's he's just like eating it. It's not like he's shooting it up or yeah. you know, snorting whatever it is. He just eats it and then he does this weird like neck crack thing. He sounds, <laughs> he sounds like a like a raptor from Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's really weird. And then I'm just yeah, I'm asking myself, what what the hell was that? <laughs> but it's think, yeah, he just, I mean his performance is really, really I think it is it's pretty scary. I mean, because it's it's definitely not some type of uh, downer. I do think, though, uh, it is it's uh, in terms of performance. I was like reading on Wikipedia, people compared him to Jack Nicholson and The Shining, but I feel like he's almost very similar to like Heath Ledger's Joker character, just in terms of like how he's always got like yeah. his his body moving, his hands moving. He's always very unpredictable, and he's always has something like to say after the fact. 
and he always almost alludes to something that feels like it doesn't have anything to do with the moment, but it just kind of leaves its yeah. way to something. Um, he, he, he pops in like his Walkman when, when uh, like on the job, like in the heat of a moment. He's just like, he's got to go listen to music for a little bit. Yeah. Like, like he's just weird and quirky look, and eccentric. I would definitely compare him more to the, to the Joker than, uh, what was the other one? Oh, from uh, Jack People, from The Shining. Yeah. yeah he almost is, he's almost closer, probably almost Jack Nicholson, Joker, and uh, that Batman Begins movie. Like, he just, because I don't know, like, he just seems like he always has his hands in his body in like a weird way. I, I, it's just, it really is. It's, it, it, it's really good. It's it, really, it really reminds me of Willem Dafoe in Boondock Saints, who puts on the headphones. And goes to the crime scene and is like, y'all remember that? I've never seen Boondock Saints, so I, I wish I have. I know that people love that movie. I've never Put actually on seen wheel. it. <laughs> Put it on the wheel. That, 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 on the wheel. That takes my choice for number three, then. Okay. Oh, well, great. And how, we all know what we're going to be watching. All right, so we're going to watch Boondock Saints instead of mine. <laughs> again. All right, so uh, let's get to the final scene here. where Obviously, so we just talked about this. So Stansfield, who's... Um, Gary Oldman's character winds up taking Allie Portman's character, you know, kidnaps her or whatever. And uh, he knows that Leon's what killed his, uh, what do you want to say, his subordinate or one of his like compatriots in terms of their drug yeah. operation. And so he's, she, he's basically holding her hostage and trying to kill Leon. Uh, what do y'all think about the final the final scene? In turn, well, is it the final scene? I guess it's pretty much the final scene. The big shootout at the end. Where does it rank for you, Rod, in terms of shootouts, fight scenes, in terms of movies for you? Three. Three? Your third favorite or three oh, out of ten? That's, that's very third, specific. <laughs> it's my third favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's your number two and your number three? <laughs> Uh, it probably was. It was probably too too specific of a question to jump on it. But uh, I have the answers. Okay, I feel like you just sat in the number. Um, I mean, no surprises here with number one is going to be taken. Taken. Um, number two is probably going to be John Wick. Wow. I shouldn't have there asked because this that was oh a wheel question i keep on everyone who's listening is probably like, what the fuck they don't listen long enough to know that the wheel's gonna happen but that is i was gonna ask a ranking about it. but i do have one other that i'm gonna ask you to rank with that too but no no, no. so what happens is that there's a whole squat team squadron that comes into their apartment and basically leon takes them on himself he ha- he tells matilda a way to escape and it is a giant, giant melee. And he basically takes out the whole squat team and finds a way to escape. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Preston, what do you do? You have any thoughts so on sick. the last last part, or what? What do you think? So sick. Yeah, um, it's. I, I don't know if I would like rank it in my top <laughs> like endings to a movie, but I mean, it's it is again. I mean, it kind of go. It gives you similar vibes to the beginning of the movie. I mean, it's very, the movie's very bookended as far as yeah. epic ac- action scenes. Um, and you really getting to see Leon do his professional work. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know how many movies were happening around then where like one person was taking out like 20 people. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's pretty common these days, you know, but like, 
Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I could. I'm, I'm just not thinking about that right now, so I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah, but, it, but, it's, but not like, it's, it's, it's not relative to the tone of the movie. It's not like Rambo or Predator or something like that, where someone's always on some aggressive front taking out people. Exactly. Like, it, it starts off, like you said, you bookend is probably the best word to say it. Like It starts off like a, a very action movie, and then we get this like deep character-driven drama, right. and then it ends with this really crazy action sequence. So yeah, You kind of forget. You're like, oh, God, this guy yeah. will kill... 20 people in minutes. Um, yeah. And, you know, we all know how it ends. And that, that, that might be kind of predictable. I don't, you know, I'd kind of forgotten about the ending. Um, but as it was, like, as it was happening, you, you could really piece it together. You're like, okay, no, you, well, this, this is probably what's going to happen. Yeah. You don't forget he's a badass, but you also sort of realize. You, maybe you do, I guess. Maybe uh, that's not the best point. But like, well, I'm, he, t- I'm talking about what happens at the very end. Oh, were you talking about like how he how he kills Gary Oldman's character, Stansfield, or what are you talking about? Just like that final that final scene, like yeah, I mean, leading up to it and just the progression of the whole entire fight scene. Like I, I just it's maybe because I have seen it before, but I just started to recall. All right, like these guys are both gonna die. Like, there's no way Leon is surviving any of this. Kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Rod, do you have any final takes on, like, the uh, the end of the movie before we move on to the uh, the Wheel of Fortune? I introduced that sweet, sweet jingle. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, it's got a little bit of that uh, the inside man or inside job, the bank movie. Bank it's, it's, inside, man. inside man. Inside, inside man. man. So, Who was like, that? Spike Lee and uh, Clive Owen. So how he puts, how Leon, you know, goes out, um, basically, I guess, camouflaged, if you will, as a SWAT team member. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for a minute, you think he's going to get away. But I I mean, I think the... That was one of the cooler parts. The pin trick with Gary Oldman is, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, (laughs) we, we know, you know, about halfway towards, or not halfway, but four-fifths of the way through the movie that Leon has now decided, you know, like, I'm probably, I'm a cleaner, you know, cleaners don't really, y'all probably don't know this, but cleaners don't have a very long life expectancy. So he's kind of He he knows his fate. (laughs) He's really just kind of living for Matilda at that point. So, I I mean, I I think it's really cool to, like, isn't he kind of, like, hugging almost Gary Oldman and then, like, Show him the grenade. I think he makes sure he can't get away, even though I don't think there's any way Gary Oldman could ex- uh, escape the blast. I like to think that Leon had just like, once they shook hands, he gave him the pen that he then wraps his feet around his feet. And, you know, like <laughs> Nor- Norman's trying to like get away and he's just like holding his feet. Yeah, he put him in some like intense wrestling hold. <laughs> Like WWE. Yeah, from a, a movie full of like incredible like uh, <laughs> weaponry and like fight moves. And then at the end, it's just like a little ankle hold. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we all understand how it is. Uh, Gary Oldman's character dies. John Renault's Leon's character dies. And Matilda goes off and winds up getting some money and goes to school. Um, all right. So we're going to – Rod, do you have anything else you want to add before we go right to the wheel? Because these, these questions are intense. We're still going to do it. Those. All right. So here we go. Cue the jingle for the Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of 
And who wants to go first? So uh, I went first on the um, the picks, and then there was Rod. So we're going to go with Preston. You're going to be the first on the pick picks. So let me go read them out first so everyone gets a real idea of how clever and how fun these categories are. So number one is how about you, Sideburns? You want some of this milk? Obviously a um, – <laughs> Something to do with Billy Madison. All right. Get up, sit up, sit ups for the fight. Number two, recast a legend. Number three, cleaning practice. Number four, let's rank them. Number five, a real original. Number six, whammy. Number seven, that just means I get to add the sound effect. Number eight is in depth, but no knowledge. Number nine is crossover. Would you rather? That's actually more for Rod. So, Kristen, if you get number nine, uh, we'll just defer it to Rod. Number 10 is a respin because I didn't really, I got lazy. All right. So, Preston, here we go. Number. The wheel is spinning. Everyone is really anxious to hear it. Nine. That's actually so. That's actually Rod's question because uh, specifically for Rod. So, it's not going to be for Preston. Preston, I mean, Rod, crossover. Would you rather? So Jason Momoa's character in Bad Batch, which we reviewed together, um, loses his daughter and is spurned onto violence. Leon loses Matilda and does the same thing. Would you rather fight Jason Momoa in the desert with no weapons, or would you rather fight Leon in an apartment complex with weapons? Just because of AC, I'm going to go with Leon in the apartment. (laughs) Big AC guy. You're <laughs> like, if I'm getting shot, I'm gonna feel good. <laughs> you yeah. would rather die in a 72 degree environment. <laughs> yeah, that's well, what at least I'm it would go. be. A, it'd be a fast death. I feel like with Jason Momoa, you're like at some point this guy's just gonna crush me and like rip me apart. Like, how do uh, I? What do I do here? I feel like you could escape easier in the desert, but I feel like you have more of a chance of winning in the apartment with weapons. So that's what you that can't was escape the desert. You just be well, no, no, no. But like, you could like J- outrun him, maybe. Dude, Jason Momoa has like a ten-yard stride. He's basically like I could think he's a he's a minotaur. We just don't really know yet. <laughs> it's why you never see the lower half of his body. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a great question. It is a good question. I want to say the questions themselves are very good. Uh, There's a lot of uh, clever, um, (laughs) I think some little alliteration in there a little bit. Uh, Yeah, I'm more more proud of the topics and the questions themselves. Okay, all right, Preston, uh, we're going to go with you because that question didn't go as well as I hoped. Preston, the wheel is spinning. Number six, a real original. So... This is actually not that cool. This I can't think of any movies that feature mobs and crooked cops that don't feature a bunch of beautiful women. Is this the only movie that really only features men and just a chat? Like, so what I was thinking is like most movies like have like are in like strip clubs or like crazy sex scenes or something like that. This movie is actually in that universe, but doesn't feature any hot women. Like, do you? Can you think of any other movies that are similar? Damn. That's a doozy. Um, and I don't know why. There's also just made me think like the movie really doesn't take place in many, many different settings. I know. that. Um, wow. What a question. There, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know why. I just started to think of like, 
some mafia movies, but uh, as I'm running through like my my mind, they all definitely have like attractive women in them. Well, at least like a strip um, club scene where like it almost seems like every single like business at least has some strip club involved. Where like there's a it, yeah. even if it's not like a sex scene, there's at least some like crazy hot woman dancing around them talk while they're talking or something like that. You remember uh, that movie? Um, it had Mel Gibson in it. I think it was called Payday <laughs> or Payback. You know, Payback. Man, he's basically. I just remember he smokes a cigarette like the whole time. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but I, I feel like that didn't really have anything like that. But I totally, I could be completely wrong. I don't know, Rod. Do you have you have a if you want to answer this question when we move Boondock, on? Boondock Saints. That, <laughs> I don't even think there's a single female in the movie. Really, just a yeah. bunch of Irish dudes, right? <laughs> it is yeah. weird. I feel like uh, this is a highly specific question, Matthew. It is. I know. Well, I, it made me think about it because I thought about it with Finders Keepers <clears throat> when we were watching Finders Keepers. I thought that's the ugliest movie I've ever seen in my life in terms of people that are involved. <laughs> and so I've almost been watching movies thinking of things in terms of that after that. And I was like, I've never watched a movie where there's never been a single attractive person in there. And that movie literally features no attractive people in it whatsoever. Am I, am I right? I, I think. Uh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as yeah, far as like I'm, I guess, you know, the old adage, sex sells, sells. So, I mean, it's not something most filmmakers are trying to do, make a movie without. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like something's going to come to me and I'm just going to blurt it out at some point. I think I think eventually, you like, even if you're making a documentary, you run across at least one attractive person. But in Finders Keepers, you did not at all. All right. So we're going to move yeah. on. We got two I more. We'll, we'll do two more spins before we move on to the rankings. I think this is Rod's Rod spin. Ooh. Yeah. Rod. Number one. So that is, how about you, Sideburns? Would you want some milk with that? So obviously an allusion to Billy Madison, but obviously it's uh, talking about the how we, we already talked about how they only drink milk. So the film makes it a point of emphasis that Leon only drinks milk throughout the movie. Is there any symbolism in that, or is it just a quirky character trait? I think there's some symbolism in there. Okay. Um, I mean, as we remember from Rookie of the Year, milk does the body <laughs> good. Um, and it also can help you put together a boat, apparently. <laughs> but I don't know how he drinks a quart of milk and then goes and does all those sit-ups because I would immediately throw up if I drank <laughs> a quart of milk. And also... She gets some two quarts of milk and they somehow finish it at like dinner. And I'm not good at the metric system, but is it four quarts? Is it a gallon? Yeah, four quarts a gallon. Yeah. So, I mean, they're getting pretty close to, you know, being able to. I mean, I would be eager to see if Leon could do the gallon in an hour challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think what we realize is the movie in, in its weird way is like this, this, uh, they're like, covert like training for that challenge i think that's what happens when the credits roll <laughs> no so, so what i was almost getting at is that like so uh, i almost thought there was almost almost like contradictory symbolism going on because she smokes and she gets him to stop smoking or he gets her to stop smoking and he drinks milk and he gets her to drink milk i almost thought it was almost like a 
you're stagnating almost your growth or unhealthy and you're with me, you're becoming healthy kind of thing. Does that. Oh, uh, he's watering the flower. Just yeah, like I, the plant he has throughout the <laughs> that she later goes on to spray. Yeah. Which also was another weird, ambiguously sexy thing she said when she's, she says, you're watering your flower when you should actually be watering me. Do you remember that line? It was almost kind of gross. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff I forgot about this movie. Yeah. Watching it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think the mill can be certainly interpreted in many ways. I, I think it, we're talking about just the, the film and it's and how it's centered around this relationship and their like character development. I, I think it's kind of like she loses her father and then he kind of assumes this paternal role. And I think milk being is some kind of a symbol of that relationship and like, in 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 its paternal nature, I guess, with, with how he goes about it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not it's, sure it's, it's, it's overly symbolic. I was just sort of almost reaching for stars there, reaching like sort of grasping, like I said, for straws almost. I, I, I I, I was just curious if y'all, like you said, Preston, you had an interpretation, I had an interpretation. I was just wondering what anyone else thought about it. I, don't, I really don't know if there's anything too much to it other than it just, it's just what it is. I, like, um, Maybe it's just in his contract. He's like, I know you guys are going to think this is weird, but I need milk. On <laughs> At all times. <laughs> yes. I wonder, what do you think? You think you like whole milk 2% or just skim? I think he's probably whole. Two. Two? Yeah. You don't think he's trying to main, remain thin for when he has to go do stuff? You lose a lot of the nutrients when you go down the scale. You're probably right. All right. So, last spin here, guys. I'll be up to that. Okay. All right. Actually, this is one. All right. Let's rank them. We almost alluded to this earlier, but. Um, all right, let's rank them. Between the opening scene where Leon takes down a lot of people and ending shootout where he almost takes out a whole police force, Leon is a certified badass. But where does he rank among Liam Neeson and Taken, John Wick and John Wick, or Denzel Washington and Man on Fire? Very similar films in terms of they lose something and then they have to get it back and they fight to have it, you know, restored this, to them. Is this Pokies? I think it, either is, one. The floor is open. The floor is open. The floor is, the floor is open. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I'm I'm ready to ready to aim and fire. Just go go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna go it. Liam Neeson taking one. <laughs> I'm gonna go Leon two. I'm gonna go. Was there four choices or three? Four. So this was John Wick and then Denzel oh, okay. Washington. John Wick, three, and then four is Denzel Washington because I haven't seen that movie. You haven't seen Man on Fire? No, I saw that other, that recent one that he does, uh, Equalizer. Equalizer is fantastic, but Man on Fire, bro. I think you would love Man on Fire. Who was the, who was yeah. the, actress, the young actress in that? That's that um, Dakota Fanning? Dakota Fanning, yeah. She could easily be on some of these lists. She's in Man on Fire? She's a little mm. girl in Man on Fire, so like he he has he develops a like relationship with her as he's like her bodyguard and then she gets kidnapped and he goes and basically kills all the kidnappers. Okay, yeah, I'll be checking it's, that out. It's very similar to Taken. It's I'll in, be like, checking it's that out in a foreign country too. I think it's in Mexico, right? Wow. 
Yeah. So I mean, he's not killing white people. <laughs> well, um, if, if we're only using those people, I could think of some other good ones, but on that list, um, John Wick one, two Liam Neeson, Ooh. then uh. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Man on Fire, so it's hard to say right now. I do remember him being a badass. So I'll probably put Denzel and then Leon. The thing is, like, a Man on Fire, I think he's less, like, a badass in terms of his fighting and more of a badass in terms of his planning. We'll get down to the uh, the rankings here. So what do y'all what do y'all want to rank in terms of this movie, Leon the Professional, in terms – what do y'all want to do in terms – I shouldn't say in terms. Let's just give our <laughs> – I don't know what in terms mean. Like, I'm trying to make it some relative thing. Rod, it's your movie. <laughs> Rod, it's your movie. Go ahead. Give us your out of 100 ranking. I'm having to swallow my pride because I remember it being a 99. Wow. After rewatching the extended cut, oh. I'm going to give it a 90. Whoa, 90. Okay. Preston, uh, I'm getting it, giving it an 87. Whoa. Okay. It, it, this is weird. So we're actually giving these rankings lower than uh, Operation Odessa, which was just you know a documentary. Look, documentaries these relative... are kind of they kind of they're basically cheating because yeah. they they can they're not dealing with like a a screenplay. You know, they're dealing with an incredible story. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. That happened. <laughs> okay. I'm giving it a 92. I, I I like this movie a lot. I enjoy it. I mean, I did think it started off a little slow, but still a great movie. Um, I don't know. Whatever. It's it's sort of like um, Rod when we talked about uh, Hell or High Water. It's just you know four characters, basically really simple plot, <laughs> little simple story, and then we all yeah. get a nice little conclusion. Okay. So, those are the rankings. We are now going to spin for our next movie that we review. Uh, I did bounce to change the order, but actually I was too lazy to do it. So, we're going to start off with number one is The Gift. Number two is Miss Doubtfire. Number three is Bad Boys. Number four is Good Boys. We joked about how that's weird last time. <laughs> Five is Waterworld. Four is, I mean, six is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Seven is Us. Eight is Mud. Rod, right? Mud? You want mud? Okay. Nine is bright, and ten is three billboards of whatever that is, right? Uh, but Not Ebbing, Missouri. That's okay. All right, here we go, guys. Everyone's bated breath, wondering what's going on here. I thought I changed eight from mud to something else. I didn't see it. So it's two, actually. Are you talking Jimmy? It's Robert again. Rod again. I actually like this one. So it's Miss Doubtfire. I'm actually excited about this, but I'm not excited about how this wheel just keeps on, keeps on spinning. There are just so but many good films. And I, mean, I, love, I love Miss Doubtfire. Who doesn't I will love say this. I have a lot to say about Miss Doubtfire, so I'm actually excited about this. But I, like I said, I don't know what Rod's done to this wheel in terms of... I think next time we have to... In bribe, we take all of his movies off. Yeah. 
I mean, wow. What is Miss Dell? What platform is on, Rod? So just tell us before we before we sign off. What platform is on? And give us a little brief excitement, exciting preview uh, of it. I believe it's on HBO or um, Amazon Prime. Okay. It's on HBO right now. And it may be on Netflix, too. I think it is. All right, then. Uh, right. Just for fun, y'all want to spin the wheel again and see if we get another rod choice? <laughs> sure. Uh, Matthew, I one thing. Matthew, you, you want to write this down. Off. You can what? cut out all this, right? I, will, I can cut it out. Because, hey, you know Uncut Gems did come out on Netflix. Do you yeah. want to add Uncut Gems as your thing? or? I mean, I'm just... Are, are we off the record right now? It just went to two again. Which is... This is bullshit. <laughs> are we off the record? Yeah, we can edit all this out. Okay, I'm just... The only reason I say Uncut Gems... Because didn't you say that Ozark had pretty good numbers? Yeah. And I feel like that's because it's, you know, was trending on what's yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Uncut Gems is pro yeah, Uncut Gems is trending. I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. No, no, you're probably right though, but I also think that um Doubtfire is really well known. Guess is a documentary that people probably haven't seen. Finders Keepers is a movie people probably haven't seen, kind of thing. So it's like Okay. Miss Doubtfire is 100% fine, so we don't. Yeah. Okay. I, that's a movie everyone's seen. I don't. I, I think that's. I think that's fine. But if you want to spin it again, we can do it again. No, no, no. I was, I was just throwing it out there. Maybe I guess I could. I can put. We'll that add. For, we'll add Uncut Gems to the next spin. Because I mean, we know it's gonna get picked. <laughs> Matthew, I yeah. think why there might be some feedback is your head, left headphone is off your ears. That has nothing to do with it, does it? Okay, Miss. Doubtfire is currently on. Maybe it did have something to do with that. I'm sorry if that. No, I still hear it. It's currently on HBO, but right below it is The Big Green, which is one of my favorites. And Matilda. That kid was in a lot of movies too. He was. He was in Sandlot. He was in... Well, The Big Green was in Sandlot, like you said. Yeah, the, that fat kid yeah, with yeah, freckles. Yeah. Dude, has my computer been listening to me? It literally has Miss Matilda. <laughs> Little we're gonna edit this out. Little, sorry, we're gonna edit this out. We'll end and then we can finish this up. So, all right, so we're doing Miss Doubtfire next, and that's going to be um, obviously a, a really, really fun Rod Budman pick again. That's what's that mean? Four weeks in a row, Rod? Five? <laughs> yeah. So we're all super excited about discussing <laughs> watching movies that Rod picks out. Uh, Preston, do you have any closing comments? And Brad, do you have any closing comments before we just finish this out and stop recording? Yeah, just watch out for any uh, run by fruitings. <laughs> Don't be pokey. Just keep <laughs> on, buddy. All right, guys. That's bullshit.